okay so let's go for it uh, okay so welcome everybody Shabbat Tov so we are at the very beginning of 99 a1 a Juan okay Tanurabanan. now we're gonna back to the topic of the Mishkan says Abraisa Yerios atachtoinos, the lower curtains, which is the first roof, what we call the tabernacle, the Mishkan, what were they made out of? Sheltcheles, Veshelargaman, Veshelthulas, Shani, blue wool, purple wool, scarlet wool, Veshelishesh, and of linen. So, eh, the dyeing to dye to put color it's one of the melachas of the mishkan because of that they needed to dye them blue purple and scarlet and also about with linen this was the first roof the elionois and the upper ones which is what we call the oil the tent there was the roof above it Shell Maiseizim. We spoke about it. They were made out of goat hair. Says the Brisa, Vegdoila Chochma, Shenembrabe Leonois, is a greater expertise regarding the second layer. We're going to see soon why. Than Yoiser Mima, Shenembrabe Trachtoinus. More than what it was required for the first level. So you may think, look, the first one was with wool of blue and scarlet and all other colors and linen and all that. But the one of hair of a goat was even more difficult. Why? The eel of first of all, how do we know that there was more expertise for the upper one? Because in the verses, it's like this. Regarding the bottom one, it says, it said, every wise-hearted woman spoon with her hands. So regarding the lower one, the Mishkan, the Torah calls them wise-hearted woman. But regarding the upper one, Bill of Elionos Ksiv, Regarding to the upper one, it says, all the women whose hearts inspired them. So to do the upper one, we're going to see some why. They needed like a little bit of a Ruach HaKodesh. They needed an inspired heart. With wisdom, they spoon the God her. Why? They would wash the hair of the goats even before shearing it. They would give a shower to the goats. And then they would spoon while still on the goats. Why would they do such a thing? Look in the foot number six. The goat hair will would be washed and spun into thread before being sh shorn 
from the goats. This was done so that the final product should be especially lustrous. Since God hurt tends to diminish in quality as soon as it's removed from its source of growth. So spinning the hair under these conditions requires an exceptional degree of skill. So these were the main two layers of the roof of the Mishkan. Okay, let's go back to our Mishnah. Once upon a time, if you remember, the Mishnah spoke that if there's two balconies sticking to the public domain and one passes from one balcony to the one next to it, he's going to be liable. So the Gemara brings out, there are two balconies on the same side of the public domain. One who hands over an object from one balcony to the other is liable because this was the manner of work done by the Leviim when loading the tabernacle boards onto the wagons. Now, the Gemara quotes over here something that we saw two pages ago. The Tachten Agalois, the wagons. Tachten, Uveinehem, Vetsideen. Whether the areas beneath them or the areas between them and the areas on their sides, Reshus Arabim. They had the status of the public domain, and two pages ago, we went into length to see <coughs> how could it be that the area under the wagons was some parts without any roof in order to be liable. Uh, liable. Now the Gemara gives us more about the measurements of these wagons, Amarabaye. Actually, nothing new. The Gemara basically is going to mention about the wagons what we saw already two pages ago. The space between one wagon and the other wagon was the same of the length of a wagon. So if the wagon was five, as the Gemara is about to tell us, so you look in the picture in photo number eight, between wagon and wagon was also five. How much is the length of the wagon? Five amos. The Gemara says, Lamali. Why do I need a wagon to be five amos long? The Arba Upalga Sagi. A length of four and a half amos would be sufficed. Dayenu, with four and a half amos. Either, even if you put the uh, boards, the planks of wood, in their longer side, since they were one and a half ama width, so you can fit three one next to the other. The Gemara answers, Yeah, they had an extra half a ma, so that even if they would decide to stock the boards on the white sides, the boards would not be pressed together to leave some room. Okay, Omar Robe, Robe continued explaining the size of the wagons. The two sides of the wagon together were equaled with the distance of the wagon itself. So, so then how much was the width of the wagon? Two and a half amos. So again, look in the pictures. So, 
get out of here the inner part of the wagon two and a half and each side one and a quarter so all together was also two and a half and that makes all together the width of the wagon also five so they were completely squared they were from end to end of the wheels five and from back to front five the Gemara is going to ask Robert why Lamali why do I need the wagon to be two and a half amos wide the answer of Palgasaga, even a width of one and a half amos would have been sufficed, Dayainu. Says the Gemara, no? Because if the wagon would be too narrow, so then the boards could totter, could, could uh, move to the sides. So to keep a proper balance, it needs to be wider. Now the Gemara is going to ask the final question regarding this. Asks the Gemora, Ela, but hold on. The Kaimalan Derech Reshus Arabim Sheshesreama. We have two opinions in general what defines a public domain. One opinion we already saw that has to be an area that people walk, 600,000 people walk daily. That's one criteria. But there's also another criteria. Any place that is 16 amos wide. This is about 8 meters wide. Like a road, a highway, 8 meters wide. Definitely the M1 also fits that uh, criteria. It's a ratio Sarabi. Now the Gimor is going to ask, how, from where do we get it? Ana de Gambrina Lame Mishkan. We, that did we derive everything from what happened in the Mishkan, in the Tabernacle. So, according to these measurements, how wide were two wagons that were traveling one next to the other? Look in the previous page. Was only 15. The Mishkan, Hamisri, Avoy. There were only 15. So, please go back to A1, 9981. Come back to the footnote number 8. So you see how the two wagons would travel one next to the other. Now, even though to the end of the boards you can say was from side to side 20, look, because each one was schlepping boards that were 10 amos long, so you could say altogether is 20. But really, we're going to count only from the wheels. So two and a half all the way from the left and two and a half all the way to the right, they're not included. So from the outmost right wheel to the almost left wheel is 15 amot. So says the Gemara, maybe we should say that even a road 15 amot, 15 amos, should be considered a public domain because that is the space that the wheels of the wagons needed to travel. The Gemara answers, no, but you know what? Amsa Yesera Avoy, there was, a there was a, the need of an extra ama of width in between the wagons. Why? The Abakoibe Levi, so a Levi could stand in between the Meshtalfi Kroshim 
I don't like it, Leo. So if you would see that the boards started to slide off one on another, for, for the levy to have room to go in between the wagons and to hold and take care of the, of the boards and put them into the right place. So from side to side was really 15, uh, 16 amos because it was one ammo in between the two wagons. Okay, so that was about the measurements. Now we're going to move on into a new Mishnah. Okay, so the new Mishnah is going to touch into some things we already saw before and some new things. So says the Mishnah, in the case of somebody that when he dug a pit, so there was a bank of the pit, meaning to say, when you start digging a pit, so then the sand or the, or the dirt, the inside of the pit, starts accumulating around the pit. So that is what is called the bank of a pit. So if this is in the middle of a public domain, or veasela, and what really means or a rock, also in a public domain, shengvoi masara, that they are ten fachim high. So if you have from the bottom of the pit all the way, we're going to see soon the Gemara, all the way up, ten fachim, verachamam arba, also the stone, and they have a wide four by four tfachim. So we already saw this previously. These are considered private domains. Remember, something which is uh, ten fachim either deep or ten fachim high, and an area of four by four is considered private domain. And therefore, anoitel mehen, one who takes an object from them and places it in the public domain, or vice versa, one who lifts an object from the public domain and places it upon them, either the stone or the bank of the pit. Now, if you look in the footnotes, he's going to be liable. If you look in the footnotes, it's not so clear that when it comes to the bank of the pit, we're dealing with the top of the surface of the bank of the pit. There's many opinions within Rashi, within the Rishonim. But if you put it inside of the area of the pit, then for sure you're going to be liable. But Pachos Meken, if the dimensions of the bank or the rock are less than that, whether the, the, the depth or the height or the width, then it's going to be part, it's going to be exempt. The Gemara is going to clarify the Mishnah. The Gemara asks, Why is there a need for the Mishnah to bring a case about the bank of a pit and a rock? Just simply tell me a pit or a rock. A pit ten fachim deep or a rock ten fachim high. What do I need? The bank of the pit, what is the need for that? Says the Gemara, you see from that extra wording in the Mishnah, this is going to support something Rabbi Yohanan taught. Rabbi Yohanan, Rabbi Yohanan said, If you have a pit and you have also the side of it with the bank of the pit, 
mitzalfim lasara. They combine for a ten tefach partition enclosing a private domain. Meaning to say that let's say the pit from the inside is only five tefachim. But then, because of the bank around it, all the dirt you took out from inside the pit that accumulated already outside of the pit, that is an extra five. Because from the very bottom to the very top, you have ten. So every, everything combines to make it into a private domain. And the Gemara, let's go to the next English page, A3. Tanenamiyahi was also taught in Abraisa the very same principle. Says Abraisa, but it's going to add a few more things. There's a cistern, because when you speak about a bore, it's either an empty pit or a pit full of water, which is a cistern. So if I have one of these in the public domain, there is ten fachim deep and four fachim wide, if you if this is in the middle of the public domain, so therefore you cannot fill a bucket of water from it on Shabbos. Why? Again, what the price is teaching us that we just saw, that a pit that is deep, tent fahim, is considered private domain. If somebody is gonna take water from inside of that pit and bringing outside of the pit, he's transferring from private to public. Therefore, he would be liable. But there's a way to do it. Elaim Ken, let's move on to 99b1. Elaim Ken Asula Mechitza Gabo Asara Tfahim. Unless a person prepared a partition of 10 Tfahim high all around. Because then you would make it an enclosed area so that inside of there is also private domain and then to transfer from private to private in this case would be permitted now another thing says the price when now uh, in in case when you don't have these partitions going back to the initial initial cistern that was just a pit and then open place a person is not permitted to drink in Shabbos from from it why because if he only starts drinking then we are concerned he might end up taking the water and placing it in the public domain so rabbinically he shouldn't be drinking even above it unless the person extends into the cistern his head and majority of his body that he makes, it makes it clear that he's not intending to take out water he's intending just to drink right then and there so then that would be permitted this is the beginning of the praisa nothing to do with our previous teaching of Rabbi Yochanan but then the end of the praisa continues Ubor this is what we needed to bring as a proof to Rabbi Yochanan. And a pit and its bank combined to form the ten tefach partition enclosing a private domain. So from here we see that principle we saw. Again, you have a pit, it's only five tefach in deep, but the bank of it goes up another five 
because from the inside you can see 10 is considered a private domain. Okay, now we're going to go into many different questions regarding this topic, and that's going to be it for today with Dr. Shem. Just a few questions regarding this topic. Some change is Rabba with a hey, which was the teacher of Rabba with an aleph. So he asked the following question. You had a pillar, a post, in the public domain, which was high 10 and 4 wide. So you have this pillar in the public domain, but we know that the surface of the pillar is already considered a private domain. Remember that. Again, this is in the middle of the M1, the public domain, but you have a pillar, a post, going up, 10 fucking high and 4 by 4 surface on top. That surface on top is considered private. So what is the question? Somebody standing in the public domain through an object and it landed on top of the post. Now, do we say miambrinan arei akira beisur? Do we say that the lifting of the object was in a private way from the public domain? And also the placing down when he threw it and it landed was also in a prohibited way, which was already a private domain. And therefore the person should be liable, which we saw this many times before. Or Dilma, or maybe, since the object is landing from into the private domain from an exempt area, which is coming from a, an airspace that was higher than Fahim, maybe he's not liable. Look in the footnotes that the Rishonim, the commentaries, have a hard time understanding the question. Hello, can you hear me? Okay, I hope you're still with me. Can you hear me? Shmuel, can you hear me? Okay, because, because Max's image got frozen. Maybe Shmuel, leave your video on so Max is frozen. I, see, I can see that you are, you are alive. Okay. Uh, okay, so let's continue. So the, the, the Mephoshim, the commentaries ask a question that we saw already many times examples like this that a person is going to be liable. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, I know this. <laughs> so, the, the commentators have a hard time understanding what is he really asking. So they give him many, you look in the footnote number six, they give him many, many different explanations. The one article follows, and the one I'm going to follow now, please look at me, let me make it simple for you. The question is as follows. If the object would come straight from the person, he throws it downwards to the surface of 10 fahim, which were one meter tall, everybody would agree he's going to be liable. Because he lifted up from the floor, he threw it and came into the private domain, for sure he's liable. 
This question of Rav Mordechai is in a case when he threw it from down up and then is coming down by gravity. Remember from school, gravity? So do we say that his initial action ended here and then coming down by gravity is already not his responsibility or not? That is the question. So he asked initially Rabba. So Rabba Omar Lay, I'm already in the second column of the page, 99b1. Rabba said to Rabba Mordechai, Manisini, what is your question? Is the Mishnah? He wasn't happy with the answer. Also, Shalele Rabbi Yosef. He went and asked Rabbi Yosef, and Rabbi Yosef said the very same thing. Omale, Manisini, what are you asking? Is a Mishnah. Still, Rabbi Mordechai wasn't happy. Also, Shalele Abaye. When he asked Abaye, Omale, Masnisini, he also told him, What are you asking? Take a look in the Mishnah. Amaleo, Rabbi Mordechai got upset with the three of them. And he said, Kulhu Bruka de Adedi Tapitu. It's a little bit of a strong expression. The three of you are spitting the same spittle. <laughs> you three are saying the same nonsense. Amrulay, so they told him to Ramodechai, Riat Lotisbera. But hold on. So how you understand the Mishnah? The Asnan, look what the Mishnah teaches. And Noitel men, the Anasan al Gaben Hayab. The Mishnah that we just saw now says one who takes an object from them, either from top of the stone or from the pit, and places it in the public domain, or one who leaves an object, an object from the public domain and places it either upon this, upon them, the stone or inside of the pit, is going to be liable. So even though, let me keep on reading the scroll, the object has necessarily passed through the exempt airspace, then talking about the public domain. So for sure it includes your case. Because it's even when you throw it. So not only when you place it with your hand, even if you throw it. So the Mishnah says, if you have a stone, ten him high, and somebody throws an object and lands on the stone, it's going to be liable. So what is your question? Amaleru. No, he said, Maybe the Mishnah is dealing when somebody threw a needle, that the height of the needle is negligible, it's very little, and it just went like this and landed on top of the stone. It didn't need to go up and down. It just went like this, a smooth landing of a needle on top of the stone. Says the Gemara, Machat Nami, but even in your case, it's impossible for it not to even be lifted slightly high and then just come down to land. Even your case would be included and the Mishnah would say he's liable. Say, no, Daisley Morasha, I can tell you two situations, then you don't need the needle to go higher. One is if the rock has a small protrusion, just below Tent Fahim, and still is considered connected to the rest of the rock, and therefore is considered a private domain, and is the same status of the top of the, top of the surface, 
and then the needle can land over there, and that's why he's liable. Or in Ami, or second case, the Ramia Becharitza. What if the stone has a little bit of a crevice on top of the rock, and he entered from it, but it never went higher than 10 Fahim? So if you look in the footnote number 12, so this is Rabbi Mordechai's telling the three rabbis that maybe we cannot prove anything from the Mishnah. Nevertheless, his explanation is a little bit forced, and therefore we don't follow him, and we just take, as the three rabbis thought, the Mishnah, and we say, regardless, whether you were flying from down up or from up down by gravity, whenever somebody throws something from public and lands on top of a private, no matter how and where, you're going to be liable. That's the end result. Okay, we're going to see another question. Omar Masha by Rabbi Yohanan. Ramasha said that Meshaya, Meyasha, I'm sorry, Rabbi Meyasha said that Rabbi Yohanan had the following question. Koisel Bereshus Arabim, if there's a wall in the public domain, Gaboa Asara is a wall high tent Fahim, Benoroha Barba, but is not four wide. So it has the proper height, but in the surface it doesn't have four by four. But nevertheless, Mukavla Harmelis, that's how righteous are Yachin. This wall surrounds a Carmelis and turns this Carmelis, because of this wall, into a public domain. So let's say a Carmelis would be like a park. Okay? You go to a park over here, an open park, is a Carmelis. But if you put over there a wall of 10 Fahim high and you enclosed inside the park, then the park now becomes a private domain. Not only a Carmelis, it's a pro proper private domain. So therefore, if you're going to throw something from the public and it's going to land on top of the uh, wall, maybe, let's keep on reading, someone standing public domain through an object <coughs> and it landed on top of the wall, Mao, what is the law? Do we say that since that wall is not Fort Fahim, but Fort Fahim is there for Makom Turu, maybe still an extra, an exempt, sorry, an exempt area, and he wouldn't be liable? Or Dilma, maybe do we say, since this wall is making the Carmelis to become now a private domain, so therefore this top of the wall is already considered part of the inside and just like if you would be throwing into the inside would you gonna be liable so now that you threw it on top of this partition and rested on that surface maybe it will also is gonna be liable that is the question Amarula Ula said Kalva Homer for sure 
you know what's a kalvachomer? All the more so. Why? If this wall forms a partition for other areas, meaning to say the Carmelis, if this partition transform the Carmelis into a private domain, that small Okoshekin shall it not necessarily also be that for itself the wall on top of it also becomes a private domain? Meaning to say, yes, if you threw it and landed on top of this partition, even if the surface on top is not four by four, but once this partition made the Carmelis into private domain, even that little top is also connected to the private domain and is considered private domain and the person would be liable. And the Gemara says that even Rabbi Yochanan himself came to the same conclusion. In Barnami, if you have a wall, a partition in the public domain, that is high 10, but not wide 4, and it was surrounding a Carmelis and made it into a private domain, if somebody is standing in the public domain and throws an object and lands on top of this wall, he's going to be liable for the same loosening we just saw previously. If it forms a partition for other areas, meaning to say, for the Carmelis made it into private domain, shall it not certainly do so for itself as well? Now, uh, if you see in a previous note, they say the question of Rabbi Yochanan was originally only when this wall surrounded a Carmelis and made it into a private domain. But if this wall would have been surrounding a Reshusa Rabim and would have transformed the Reshusa Rabim into a private domain, in that case, Rabbi, Rabbi Yochanan had no question. He was sure, for this same reasoning, that the top of the wall would be a private domain. Because such a transformation, when you transform a public domain through a wall and you make it into a private, obviously, is such a transformation that above the wall, even if it's less than 4x4, four four, it's considered a private domain. His only initial question was a Carmelis, because make a Carmelis into a private is not such a, so, so much of a transformation. And that's why regarding a Carmelis, he had a question. But at the end, anyway, he answered is for sure considered a private domain. Another question. This is a very interesting question. And this is going to take us until the end of the Gemara today, Bezat Hashem. Boy Rabbi Yohanan. Rabbi Yohanan asks, Bortisha, you have a pit nine tfachim deep and four tfachim wide, which is missing one tefach to be considered private. You need to be ten and four by four. This is only nine and four by four. But then listen to what it is in case. One lifted a segment of the earth that was inside. That is deep one tefach. 
והשלימה לה שרה. And therefore, so you get it, look at me. You have a pit deep nine. He takes a pearl, something, and he digs one tefach and takes it out. So at the same time that he's taking that out, he's transforming that pit into private domain. Because now it's going to be deep 10. But it happened at once. And now that, that he took that sand or dirt that he took, he goes out and puts it into a public domain. Do we say that he transferred from private to public? Could it be that at the same action, he transformed that pit into a private by taking one tepah out? And then by placing into the public, he transferred? Or do we say no? Because at the time he took it out, it just came at the same time into private. Maybe you need it to be private before he takes it out. That is the question. Mao, what is the law? Akira's hefet v'asiyas mechitza v'adiyadadi keasu. In this case, the, the lifting of the object and the formation of the partition that makes the area to be a private domain of 10 tvachim deep that occurs simultaneously and therefore he's going to be liable or maybe he won't be liable so do we view it as if the earth was lifted from a private domain or not? That is the question. Now, even if you tell me, since from the beginning there was no partition of the Tvachim initially, and therefore he's not liable, what would be the other way around? You have Boira Sara, you have a pit that was 10, and he was 4 Tvachim wide. Okay, are you with me? You have a pit, deep 10, and wide 4. So there is a private domain, right? Okay. Venasan le soya And one plays a segment of earth from the public into it, umeita, and thereby reduce the depth of the pit, and now it's not even 10. And therefore, it's no longer a private domain. Somehow, what is the law in this case? The placing of the object and the removal of the partition, because now it's not deep 10, and therefore it's no longer a private domain, occurs simultaneously. Would a person be liable or he won't be liable? Do we view it as if the earth was deposited in a private domain? Or because now that it shrunk to only nine, is not any longer a private domain, maybe he is not liable. Now, initially it seems to be the very same question that he asked at the beginning. But if you look in the, in the footnote number 20, they're going to explain over there at the very end of it that maybe regarding an akiran uprooting an object 
were more stringent, I'm sorry, were more lenient because you need more of an action. So even if you say that in the first question, because at the same time that he uprooted, he became into private and therefore he wouldn't be liable. But in the second question, when he's placing an object, maybe that's an easier act and going to be more stringent. And maybe in the second case, we're going to say he's for sure liable. That is the question. So the Gemara is going to try to bring an answer from the teaching of Rabbi Yohanan that we already saw previously at the very beginning of the Gemara. Actually, the mission of the Gemara is about to quote, we saw it a couple of days ago, but the continuation, we saw it at, in the ch chapter one. Says the Gemara, you can even answer his inquiry, his question, on the basis of something he already said. There's none. There's a Mishnah we're going to see tomorrow, Bezrat Hashem, next page, that says, Azore karba amos bakoisel. He one throws an object that travels for amos, and he's standing in the public domain against a wall. Okay, so you get it. There's a person in the public domain standing at a distance of four amot from the wall and he throws an object. So says the Mishnah, if this object strikes the wall above ten Fahim from the ground, is considered as he threw it in the air because it's above ten Fahim, is an exempt area and therefore he's going to be exempt. But if he strikes the wall below ten Fahim, is it's already we consider him as throwing in the ground. And one who throws an object that lands on the ground four hours away in the public domain, he's gonna be liable. So this is the Mishnah. And Avinamba, we had a question we're gonna to see tomorrow Bizrat Hashem that they ask regarding this Mishnah. But hold on. In your case, when somebody threw an object, and even if he struck under ten Fahim, but he never came to rest because it bounces back. So when it lands on the ground, it's gonna be less than four Fahim. How can he be liable? And regarding that question, the same Rabbi Yohanan answered, I'm Rabbi Yohanan, that must be a case in that Mishnah that somebody threw a sticky fig cake. Remember this sticky fig cake. Okay? And it got stuck <laughs> to the wall and it didn't bounce. So because it got stuck to the wall, it traveled the four Amos and it's staying over there of a distance of four Amos. That's why under 10 Fahim high, he's going to be liable. Now the Gemara is going to ask a question connecting to the previous question of Rav Yohanan. Where am I? Why should be liable even in this case? At the time that this cake got stuck into the wall, 
Now he became part of the wall. And then the distance that he threw it is less than for Amos. Because now he's sticking out. Let's say the cake is, even if it's only one tefach wide. But from the end of the cake until where the person was standing is for Amos less one tefach. And it's just like the second question when he minimized the depth of the pit. Almost over here, he minimized the wall, the distance that he traveled should be the same. He already said he's liable. Also over here in the second question, he should say should be liable. Says Gemara, no. How can you compare both cases? In the case of the fig cake, the thrower doesn't abandon it to remain in the wall forever. The person that threw the cake and got stuck in the wall, he is not planning that now that cake is going to be part of the wall. So you cannot say that it minimizes the area and now is a longer wall and therefore is less than four amos from where he threw it to where he's standing now. But in the case of the inquiry of Yohanan of the pit, when the thrower threw one tefach of dirt back into the pit, his intention is for it to stay over there. So that's why over there is a question that at the same time that he threw it, he nullified from 10 to 9, and maybe because he shrank the depth of the pit, maybe it's not longer anymore Reshus Ayahid, it's only 9 by 4 by 4, and that's why he has a question. So there the question remains because he has in mind that the dirt should always remain in the pit. So he ends up minimizing and nullifying the ratios of Yochin. But in the case of your cake, there was four amos to the wall, and he's not planning for the cake to stay there forever. So he traveled four amos. And that's why in the Mishnah, he's going to be liable. And just to end up today with Rosh Hashem, Rob is going to ask a similar question to this. There were some uh, pegs on the public domain. And they were high. Ten Tfahim. <clears throat> and some, somebody threw a board, <clears throat> a wood, and landed horizontally on top of the pegs. So at the same time that he threw it, he created a private domain. Because just pegs standing there, that they didn't have the surface of 4x4, four four, that's not a private domain. But now that he throws a board that is 4x4 four four and lands on top of them, that makes that into a private domain. So it's the same question. It landed and it became a private domain at the same time that it landed. Is he liable for transferring from public to private? Or not? Because the landing and the becoming a private was at the same time. So maybe he's not considered transferring from public to private. He's asking the very same question. So the Gemara, no. So the Gemara is asking, 
What is Rabbi inquiring? This case of the placing of the object and the formation of the partition occurs simultaneously. I know the Rabbi Yohanan. It's the very same question that we saw with Rabbi Yohanan. So, if Rabbi Yohanan himself had such, such a question and he wasn't able to come with an answer, so also, uh, Rabbi, what is he adding on his question? Should be the very same question. Says the Gemara, no. The case of Rabbi had an extra thing that makes it different. In which case Rabbi had a question? He threw a board with an object upon it. So it's not only on the case when he threw the board. He threw a board, but on top of the board there was something also. Let's say a tissues box. So he was a very clever guy. He's a little bit of an acrobat. He throws a piece of wood with a box of tissues and they both land on the pegs. So this is an addition to the previous questions of Rabbi Yohanan. Over here, the board landed and then the tissues landed. So maybe over there is more of a reason for him to be liable. My, so what is the case? Kevin, do we say that since both the placing of the upper object and the formation of the private domain with the board occur simultaneously? It's like the very same case of Rabbi Yohanan, that the placing of the object happens first and the formation of the partition happens second, and he would be exempt for placing the upper object as well. They came kind of hand in hand. Or Dilma, or maybe do we say, since it is impossible that the object on top, the, boxes, the box of tissues, the one that was on top of the board, does not lift slightly off the board when the board lands on the pegs, and only then does it become down does it come down and rest on the board? So maybe it's a little bit after. Therefore, it's like in case in which the formation of the partition happens first and only after the placing of the object happens secondly. And maybe on that case, the person should be liable. But the Gemara says, even in this case, we don't know. And until Elio Navi comes, and let us know. So my advice to you, my dear friends, don't do it. <laughs> okay. See you tomorrow. Pleasure. Shabbat tov. See you tomorrow. Shabbat tov. All the best.